Hi guys, how are you? What up, hey, man? How's it going, Ben? How's your day going? Yeah, very well, thank you. Sorry, I had a bit of difficulty with the uh, enabling the microphone, but we're there. Oh no, you're good. No worries. No worries, man. Have you uh, done these Twitter Spaces before? Never. Hey, let's go. We're excited to have you on, man. Uh, thank welcome, you. Welcome to the base space. Um, thank you very much little... for having me. Yeah, of course, man. We're, we're excited. And uh, thank you for taking out the time of your day. I'm sure you're super busy. Yeah, no problems, mate. Always a pleasure. Yeah, just I always like to give our, our guests like a little background that we this is the base space. Uh, pretty much I got into like the Twitter beta super early for spaces and just kind of started out as like a group of friends, a way to connect. And we've just slowly built up like an audience. And um, now, yeah, now it's turned into like kind of an educational platform for crypto Twitter where we just provide um, all we bring on all different types of projects, provide as much information as possible and just provide a platform for the community to learn uh, about all the super base projects. Uh, we primarily focus on chain link integrations, which is how we, we stumbled yep. across uh, your yep. project. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really, really excited to uh, have you on. And I'm here today with my co-host, Super, Super High. What up, Ben? Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. What time? What time is it over there? Uh, we're based in Vietnam, so it's uh, 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Wow, oh, that's right and early. Just kicking. Oh, well, yeah, we get up pretty early and kick off the day. But uh, yeah, I, I can give a bit of a, uh, I can give a, a two-minute background, um, and then um, if uh, if we know what sort of um, knowledge base, I, I, I'm assuming that a lot of your guys are pretty uh, switched on and understand a lot about crypto, or is it um, is it a blend of people that are brand new to the space? Oh, a blend for sure. Because okay. me myself, I'm I'm new for within a year. But some people that have been listening in here um, have been in crypto since probably 2017, if not longer. Ah, uh, yeah, fantastic. We, yeah, we we definitely have a really good blend, Ben. Uh, people that have been in here probably in crypto for like eight eight plus years, um, and then there's other people that are just brand new. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'll give you I'll give you a quick uh, my quick background. Um, Ben Fairbank, uh, CEO, co-founder of Red Fox Labs, but um, long, long time ago. So before I started out my career in contact centres, uh, call centres back in uh, the day, which was a interesting career choice. Worked my way up through the ranks and became a team leader and a call centre manager and all the rest of it. And then um, worked my way to a CEO role by the time I was 30 and uh, then went on and did specialised in company turnarounds um, and predominantly on customer experience and cultural change management. So I worked as a C-level for Grab, which is the biggest ride hailing in Southeast Asia. I worked for Oridu, one of the biggest telcos in the world, uh, Virgin, uh, Telstra, uh, Saudi Telecom, some of the big telcos in the Middle East. Um, basically just travelled around for 12 years on contracts, uh, helping to turn companies around that were suffering poor profits or had terrible customer experience and got into the crypto space because of the fact that I thought I can't keep sending money back from these countries um, at these stupid rates that Western Union and all these horrible banks charge. There's got to be a better way, uh, hence crypto. Got into the space uh, a long time ago, but worked, started working, running a project for a couple of years and then worked out that we're basically... In crypto terms, it's kind of like Linux was back in the day. Um, everyone's got the great space race for whose platform's going to take off. 
And what we worked out was, hang on, this is very much like Linux. Linux needed a Red Hat, someone who could come along and build products and projects and good companies on top of the uh, technology. So why don't we do Red Fox and do similar to a rocket uh, internet, let's build a, a number of companies that click together to form a super app on top of blockchain technology. So we looked at the fastest growing regions in the world, moved to Vietnam and said, this is where the emerging markets are. This is where all the tech, um, thirsty, savvy, fast growing digital economy is. Let's go over there, base ourselves where the opportunity is and let's start building some companies that are in the fastest growing sectors of the internet economy. And then let's use uh, blockchain as our differentiator and, and use that to give us the advantage over the other companies. Wow, that's that's really really cool, man. Yeah, that's a that's a gigabrain move. Looking at the different sectors and just balls the walls. Go to Vietnam. It wasn't sad. easy, and um, to be honest, if you looked at the region, you would have gone Singapore. Yeah, you can easily set up businesses. English levels high. Um, yes, there's competition, but if you looked at Vietnam, you saw, hang on, GDP rivaling China for seven years, um, emerging country, beautiful to, to live in, like scenic and food, people are great. Yes, language, not so much English, very difficult to register and do business here. But if you put in the effort, you, you have a lot less competition here. So um, it is a, it was a big move. And starting a venture builder where it's where you're required to build multiple companies that click together um that's also a ballsy move because you know we've got friends that in the big vcs from when we were working at grab and virgin and all of the big companies and they, they turned around and sort of said yep good luck mate um come back and see us when you've got a couple off the ground because uh unless you've got many tens of millions good luck getting stuff off the ground because it's very very hard to get startups going um but we used our experience and We've got the first couple of things out. We've got a game coming out, and now we're um, now we've got about four ventures in a row that will drop very shortly all all together. Yeah, we, we definitely want to dive into all the different pieces of the puzzle that you guys are working on. I'm curious, uh, did you bootstrap the funding all by yourself, or are you also supported by VCs? No, no. Um, so we we did what they called the IEO. Um, but uh, I think it's been well documented and um, I get in trouble for saying too much all the time, but uh, we did the IEO route and anyone who's done IEOs will know that these are the first wave of crypto, um, the, the big crypto boom that you said that some people here are back from 2017. So that big run was all about the projects, right? Um, then the IEO run was all about the exchanges. So exchanges would launch your token, do a token sale, people that did IEOs didn't actually walk away with anything. What what happens is the exchanges generally lock up the money for X period of time and then use that for market making services or whatever. So you're very lucky to walk away with anything. Uh, generally a bill, um, it's more for the publicity or more for the, but you don't find that out until you're well down the track. But we, um, so we basically gr uh, grinded, we funded ourselves. Um, we had uh, no, Mike Novogratz come on, as a, a on the token side, um, but we didn't sell any equity. We we resisted selling equity because we understand that when, once we do that, um, we'd be told that our idea was too ambitious and to focus on one thing and to to just channel, get really good at that one thing. Um, and it kind of like wouldn't have ever got us to our end goal. 
Uh, we didn't want to be owned. We didn't want to be told what we could and couldn't do because we knew the plan was ambitious, but we've got the team that can do it. So we turned around and said, let's just struggle a little bit, do it ourselves, pull it together, um, use our experience, skills and network. And we got it, we got it going ourselves and we put ourselves in a very, very strong position without help. Yeah, I, I honestly really, really respect that approach because a lot of projects, as you probably know, get lost in the weeds once you have investors and they're kind of taking the direction and you really lose the overall vision of the initial project as you have these other influ other influencers, right, kind of uh, directing what, what, what should actually be happening. So honestly, that makes me really, really happy that you guys are maintaining that ownership. I think it's a really strong um, stance. Yeah, it's 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 uh, you know the, the two sayings that um that stick with me is you wouldn't wish a startup on your worst enemy, um, and uh, it's probably the loneliest thing you can ever do because the thing is that there's a lot of times where you feel like everything's against you or or nothing's going to go your way, especially in the crypto space, right? Because crypto's a lot of noise, so you continually hear, oh, these projects are doing these amazing things around you, and then you realise, hang on, when you get under the hood, um everybody's in a very, very early stage. So we sort of used our um, legacy industry experience to sort of just understand that we were getting close to the light and kept pushing, whereas a lot of projects around us that started at the same time all packed up and said, this is, it's done. Um, we knew we were onto the right path. We had a very, very solid plan. We started with the end in mind and now it's starting to come to fruition. And I think, you know, we've just got the CFO from, ex-CFO from NEM and Hoibi on board as well. Um, and as he rightfully pointed out, there's not many projects in the space that are actually profitable and making revenue. So we've got ourselves into a very strong position that we're actually, um, we've got revenue, we've got profitability, and we're actually um, only building on that now. That's awesome, man. You know, huge congrats for everything that you've accomplished so far. Um, I think this is a good time to maybe start diving into some of those puzzle pieces uh, that you guys are working on. Uh, I really want to start off with uh, the virtual space. Um, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about like what is the virtual space and, and what what is that puzzle piece? Yeah, sure. So a lot of people, um, we, we were kind of early to the NFT and the gaming um, side of things. We sort of saw that coming. We, we've seen that the um, e-commerce streaming, which is probably largely foreign still in, in the States, but um, in, in Asia, it's exploding and it's going to be a worldwide phenomenon. Um, we also saw metaverse as a way to when you've got a venture builder you, you're in a perpetual raise model right so your every venture you bring out you've got to go out and say hey guys i've got an idea it's going to cost 10 million bucks to get it going and you're out fishing asking for money for every time you raise a venture right because you've got to put on a, a team and gms and staff and you've got to put in r d and product development and it's not cheap so we thought, how do we combine all of the projects that we've got together in one central space that allows the shared audience to give each venture we launch a much better chance of survival? And the way we did that was we said it has to plug into something. So what is that central point? So the metaverse, we thought that's where where it's headed. That's where metaverses are going to be the next big thing. Um, that's sure and certain to us. Our data suggests that and we're very data driven. Um, and this was... 18 months ago. So we, we, we saw this a long time out. And what we said was, we have to have a unique selling proposition. It can't be just like sell space, hope people build on it and have this world with holes all over it. Let's build it a lot smaller 
um, what we did was we've built, um, and there's some more sneaks coming out now, um, four separate cities on a space station. Each of the cities have a slightly different theme. Um, and then we will focus on shops. So we have 120 shops and those shops at the global level will sell digital items, whether it be NFTs, wearables or anything digital. Um, so we'll have marquee brands in eight of the stores and then we'll do a land sale with 100 shops. Those 100 shops will um, be available to any person who has a digital business. And so our unique selling proposition is we've combined e-commerce in a sense with the metaverse. And what we've also got is uh, esports stadiums. Um, we've got sporting stadiums and concert halls and stuff like that as well, all for built for VR. and. I guess the kicker is we've started building from scratch with VR. So we've incorporated VR from the get-go from minute one. So um, we've also used a gaming engine rather than a straight blockchain. Um, and what this has meant is that the graphic level is similar to a high production video game. And therefore we can plug in the Oculus headsets and all the rest of it from, from a very, very early stage. So we've gone for aesthetically something that's a bit more interesting that um, appeals to the more commercial crowds, but we've also combined that e-commerce idea in there and not just basically said, here's a whole heap of land, just build something because it's just not gonna get done. People will sit on the land, try and flip it and it won't ever get built out. So we provide the shops and the city's finished and then you can decorate them and modify them as you see fit. That is like super exciting coming from somebody who's played video games basically all his life. So. Will you be able to just plug in the Oculus? I don't have one, but will you be able to plug in the Oculus and like it's an MMO RPG type of game? Like you can just meet other players online and like go into the NFT shop and kick it and everybody can just yes. chill in there. And yeah, that's that's sick. what we're we're working towards. We have to work through gears, obviously, and through iterations. But um, we were we were um, we, we made a few tough choices because we could have just uh, slapped something together and. Um, put it out for the sake of having having it out because we had called it early and we have been building for a long time but we decided that we just want to do this right we want to make sure that we, we know we get one chance at this so we've decided just to sort of do this the right way make sure it works that way and we've already talked internally about having our sea level morning stand-ups in a room with our oculus headsets because we're all uh global um so a chance for us to hang out and stuff we want to immerse ourselves in our own products as well so We've just ordered our uh, our Oculus Rifts now, um, so we're we're actually like trying to get as deeply immersive as we can in our in the products. But ultimately, I think um, we've sort of gone out and talked about this, but we haven't really sold a lot of what is coming, and we'd rather just show it. Um, but some of these trends are very predictable as to where things are going, and others we've got no idea where where this will evolve to and how fast the technology will grow, especially with COVID having really accelerated adoption and accelerated digital movement so the what we're building is a platform so it allow people to come in and actually integrate new tech and new ideas as well so we're very excited to see how this this uh, builds out yeah no that sounds really really interesting honestly i might have to just cop an oculus just for that um because <laughs> that that would be sick like i can hang out with my twitter friends in Red Fox land <laughs> or the space. And uh, we could just go buy NFTs or kick it in there. And actually I had another question. Were you going to be able to uh, hear them or talk to them through a microphone? 
Yeah, we're still working on those features and what the capabilities and, and tech will allow now. Um, but we've chats kind of like one of the later things that we've looked at. So we're sort of just really looking into the um, what capabilities we've got, because don't forget, some of the offerings not everyone will use because predominantly the Southeast Asian market, which is where we're based and who we predominantly cater for, um, although it's digital and borderless, that, that's our target market. These guys are all on mobile phone. So we have to make sure that everything is usable in an app. Everything is, uh, we don't sacrifice quality, that the uh, the graphics and, and um, the function is spot on. And not a lot of the people in the beginning will have the headset. So the fact is that we've got to be mindful of our audi our target audience as well. So um, it'll be more like a, uh, a chosen experience if they, if they want to do that. Um, but as I say, we've built it with, with that from day one. So that is the plan for sure and certain. But the real kicker here is the global space will be then followed by regional spaces. So when we go into Vietnam and Philippines and Indonesia, say we go into Philippines, for example, and we replicate the virtual space for the Philippines, then you'll do virtual in real life. So what you're doing is you're going into a food court, ordering a hamburger from a sky kitchen that's only available in the, in the virtual space, for example, and then getting the burger delivered to your house in real life um, so you can buy a combination of nfts digital items and stuff delivered to your doorstep that you've bought in a metaverse uh in vr yeah that's that's crazy are people are people going to be able to customize their their avatars in the virtual world or uh, what do people yes. look like yeah they, they will be able to customize their avatars and um We've got uh, we've also got Cogs, which is um, the NFTs that we do, which is keys to other games, and we're also playing around with how um, how our art and how our designs and characters can also come to life. But ultimately, um, this is something that interests bigger brands with uh, IP as well. They they would love to have their stuff as an avatar. But a great example I always give is Kanye West, for example, can come along and say, "I want to sell a whole lot of digital." memorability memorabilia t-shirts and stuff that can be worn so what you can do is you could go along and buy a shop because the shops are nfts all of the assets inside are nfts so you could go along and buy from kanye a shop full of his uh digital wearables and then as a you're a licensed reseller then you can actually sell those nfts in your shop so celebrities and um influencers have a chance to be able to use your shop if you've already owned it or if you want to sell stuff on consignment or you want to um, buy from these people. There's so many different things you can do because as stated, the shops are NFTs, the assets inside are NFTs and we can do some really, really cool stuff with transfer of ownership and IP. Um, I think that the NFT movement, seeing it just as a piece of art is kind of like very early phase one of many, many iterations that are coming. And I think us and many other projects out there are doing a stellar job at trying to work out where this tech is going, what it can actually be used for. And I can assure you, art is just the very, very beginning of what this uh, what this movement will end up being. Yeah, yeah, no, ab absolutely. I mean, we just we just had Alex from OpenSea 
um, on the space. Um, and he was touching you know, on like the intellectual property benefits. Um, you know, for example, uh, an influencer who's maybe uploading to YouTube or streaming on Twitch, right? They get flagged all the time for copyright music. Imagine being able to show or uh, show your wallet, show that you actually have rights to that music or that song. And then you, your videos or your stream doesn't get flagged. Um, and I think that that's, that's a really, really cool use case from like an art um, and IP perspective. But I think you're actually you're absolutely on point. Like NFTs are just getting started and we don't even know what the end, you know, what the end game of these NFTs, NFTs are. I mean, we also had projects on uh, like Realty who are um, essentially uh, NFTing actual real estate properties um, in yeah. the real world and starting to sell them. So, I mean, it's just getting started, man. It's crazy. Yeah, we've already got people talking to us about, uh, we've had it for a long time with um, people saying, you know, I mean, this is just an obscure edge case, but a quick example is, uh, you know, 60% of, of uh, a new apartment building in Vietnam has to be owned by locals and 40% can be owned by foreigners. So, for example, the people are looking at how to buy a whole commercial building, um, have partial ownership represented by NFTs, and that way, it doesn't matter where you are, you can buy liquid shares in an actual real property and it can be all foreign because the local company that owns it is Vietnamese. And then what happens is if you want to sell, you don't have to worry about listing your apartment on the market. You've got a liquid market for being able to sell your share of, um, you know, it might be a tenth of an apartment or whatever, but you're selling them based on the market rates and they've got a much more liquid market. And then you can use those as Airbnbs or timeshares or something like that so they're trying i mean this is um these are the types of progressive ideas that are already floating through the region and i think you're going to see this as being a transfer of ownership transfer of wealth transfer of ideas and property it's going to be um it's going to be very very big yeah you also you already kind of touched on it a little bit um your cogs uh keys to other games um those nfts can you kind of touch on like what what the cogs are and how they play into the virtual space yeah. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, uh, I think Ark was on here a second ago, Ark Lega from H1Z1, um, Daybreak Games, he's Sony for 11 years, he's he's a pretty much a legend in the gaming space. He, um, I interviewed him years ago and said, you should come across and we should build a game together on blockchain and this is what we should do, because he was talking about some of the problems of transfer of ownership. People get uh, like 70% of the transactions are fraudulent when you're trying to sell stuff. Um, you know, game makers can just close the service down and you're out. So we turned around and said, why don't we build something where the assets can be used across a number of different games so that that doesn't happen, we can prove the ownership and we can get rid of the fraud element because we can make it a safe to transact environment. Um, so we put our heads together and his concept was look at POGS, which was milk caps or... Um, uh, Tarzos, it was called in Australia. So there's a, they were like milk caps. You used to collect them from the supermarket. Kids would play it in the, in the school ground. You'd collect these milk caps, you'd stack them up, whack them with a heavy uh, milk cap called a slammer, and whatever flips face up, you'd get to keep. So we thought, well, that's a good start because if we can, um, we can do a, a replica of that type of schoolyard phenomenon and play for keeps, play for fun, play in tournaments, we can really do a really good play to earn model just based on that one game. But then what we'll do is use these cogs to uh, access places in the virtual space, events, um, we'll uh, do collateral, loan, staking, all sorts of stuff. And cogs, K-O-G-S, stands for keys to other games. 
because the whole idea of these NFT pieces is that they're fully transferable, fully interoperable. Soon we will also, um, besides putting out our second game, we'll also put out uh, SDKs and allow um, companies to come in and build games, integrating and utilizing COGS. So we fully understand that probably our best games are yet to come and they're gonna be actually um, built by and provided by external builders. Uh, and that's cool with us. We wanna be the platform that allows this whole play to earn economy and the um, and the interoperable NFTs to, to exist. So we're already at third edition of that. We've got our game is enclosed beta. It's about to go to multiplayer version next week. And we're very, very close to the full uh, Play Store and, our, and uh, App Store releases now. That's uh that's really exciting. You mentioned the pay to win instead uh or not pay to win the play to earn instead of pay to win. Could you go more in depth on how that'll yep. work with like a rewarding system? Yeah, so basically there's uh so I think pe most people are familiar with Axie and uh, Axie is actually based in Ho Chi Minh as well. So uh, with Axie in the region and how well they've done, um, they've got a play to earn model and uh, it's it's extremely successful. Those guys have done the miraculous job of um, building a massive audience. What we're doing is we're going in with a slightly different model that allows people to start playing at no cost with no requirement um, and they can earn uh, from the very beginning. But then you have the ability to obviously earn more, play more, earn, uh, enter more tournaments if you um, are collecting the cogs and buying the cogs and you've got sets. And when you finish a set, you put them inside of a tube. So you've got tubes and these um, sets, cogs and tubes act as, act as entry points to tournaments and also allow you to be able to um, to get rewards based on what you hold. So our play to earn, we, we, we really focus on digital inclusion. So what we've done is we've built a version of the game that allows you know anybody of any age to come along and just download the game for free and to be able to start playing it and then they want to go into that play to earn they can complete tasks and quests and they can start building their collection and then that collection obviously will then lead to tournaments and play for keeps play for fun and give these people an opportunity to be able to uh to really um do something similar in the sense of um being able to play their game get good at their game uh invest time invest money and also to to earn as a result yeah, that is that's super exciting. You had mentioned the tubes, right? So you collect your cogs and then they go into mm -hmm. a tube. Uh, and since it's in the metaverse, would you be able to? And this is just coming from like a designing aspect in games. Like mm -hmm. I love, um, like in certain games, you can buy houses and design them. Uh, yeah. Are you gonna be able to have like a wall that you can just like keep all your tubes kind of as like a trophy display? Yeah, hundred percent. So displays are going to be something that's like um, the whole the whole idea of not only play to earn but collections is about the flex, right? So, um, hundred percent. I'll keep a bit of that as a surprise, but yes, for sure. In certain, um, the flex is an element, and we want to make sure. And we've always said that these things will be heavily integrated into the metaverse. Um, but with the VR and with the, the type of game structure that we're building out. Um, the, the Easter egg type of element as well will be massive. And, and we've talked about this on some of the interviews and stuff is that you could actually order something from a food court, know that you've got a 20 minute um, delivery time and you could complete Easter eggs uh, or hunts or tasks uh, within the virtual space as well. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to make it so that tube holders and stuff have access to special areas that are not accessible by anybody else um, and and uh, entry to events and concerts and stuff. Um, we want to make sure that 
people are rewarded and they have perks as a result of that in the space. That's really, really cool. So it's like, hey, I have this, I have this NFT. I can now go to like uh, a special speaker event or a special, a special concert, things like that. And do you, I mean, to play the games themselves, do you envision like an arcade space uh, within the virtual space or how, how do people actually uh, go about jumping in? Yeah, so there'll be the um, there'll be the um, the apps obviously for the games, but we've also talked about designated areas in the virtual space. We've also got uh, an esports um, stadium as well, so you'll be able to if you make it to the big stage. And um, some of the ideas that we've been talking about are, you know, being able to play in the back alleys and the and the uh, smaller areas, and then sort of working your way up to the to the big esports stadiums and tournaments. And uh, as I say, when you've got other game designers and, and developers coming in as well uh, to, to launch their games, you'll this will take a, a direction that's um, well beyond or in a, in a very different fashion to what we envisage and what we first implement, which is the exciting part about it all. But we've we've really built on that theme of the schoolyard classic of playing in the back alley or on your, on your lunch break in the schoolyard and then um, working your way up to the to the big tournaments and um, I think our monetization model and our play to earn model will make us extremely popular, especially in Southeast Asia. Um, some of the money that um, people are able to generate in play to earn games is enough for them to change their lives or to um, leave their jobs here. And I noticed that, you know, when Axie first started, people were saying, you know, that's not a huge amount of money in the States, for example, but uh, it's a different ball game here. Um, four or five hundred dollars a month is is a significant amount of money for playing a video game. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's crazy, dude. Like with Axie, they have like the Axie houses, and you see people actually like getting their first homes from the game. I'm just I'm mind blown. Well, you think about it. Um, we've had that. We I got asked that in an interview the other day. That someone said to me um, about Australia. They said Australia is like ridiculous like the the cost of houses now people people even struggle for rent and you've got these uh, dinks dual income no kids people are spending 70 percent of their combined income just on their mortgage uh it's it's like crazy crazy rates and they were saying uh we believe that things like what you're building will end up becoming people's virtual houses because this could be a foray or an entry into real estate ownership that then they could then over time when it appreciates, they could flip this into into real real estate. And I was saying, well, that could be good if you're buying houses. Ours are shops, so it's, it's a bit different. But um, definitely the landlord model is possible. You could buy a shop and, and rent that shop to to a uh, retailer and then sell the, sell the property if the value goes up. But uh, I was really shocked to hear how many people are already thinking of it that way. I never hadn't even considered the concept or the thought of people are using virtual real estate ownership as an entry into the real estate market it just blew my mind yeah that that's like a 300 iq play it is, it's really really full-on it's risky as hell as well yeah definitely um kind of going back on you said like entering the tournaments i don't know if you're familiar with uh there's this anime called hunter x hunter and there's these two kids that go to this like tournament tower and fight and earn earn money so that almost like puts an aspect in the game of like a hero's journey right because if you grind 100%. within the game your name is known and you get rewarded for it and that that's just like yeah that's the ultimate aspect of any gamer's life just grinding for a game and like recognition within that game so you've got to have super interesting 
it's got to be about the flex. And the thing is that what we've always <laughs> said, especially with our rewards and our play to earn, is we've said these rewards have to be worth people's time. People's time is their most valuable commodity. And if they're not going to actually, if they're going to spend a lot of time, they should get rewarded. So we've done the reward side of things and customer experience for decades now and helped uh, all of the big you know, airlines and companies sort of um, put together frequent flyer programs or um, rewards programs. And we are very, very in tune with what you're saying. And we want to make sure that there is that element of, uh, I feel special for what I've achieved. And, um, you know, I look at my son, nine years old, and he's he's locked behind a computer. He can't move. He can't go to school. Um, these kids aren't playing sport. They're not getting out. They're not doing what we used to do. Um, might be different in your parts of the world, but here it's not. Um, he's he's not playing sport. He's not running around. His world is a computer. He finishes school, presses log off, then goes out and hangs out with his friends. And by doing that, he presses log on. So he doesn't even move from his chair. So these kids grow up in a virtual world. I ask him what he wants to do when he grows up, and he says, get a job in a video game. Um, he he plays Roblox nonstop like all the kids do, and he, he firmly believes that he can build a sustainable career inside of these video games. Um, so, I mean, if we're not listening to the youth and we're not watching what they're doing and seeing what they're doing, um, these guys are so digitally connected and they're looking for different opportunities than what we have when we were kids. So... This is uh, this is definitely headed in a in a very um, exciting, scary, and also uh, unknown direction. Yeah, definitely. I think that's super interesting that you know a kid wants to go get a job in a virtual game. I mean, honestly, that would be really cool. And then there's also multiple aspects to that. Like you have to make sure that you're getting enough exercise and eating well, and you know, exactly. like if you're not exactly. taking care of yourself as a human being, because you know we can't forget that there's a real world too. <laughs> then that'll directly affect the virtual world too. A hundred percent. But you also know that you know you probably if you read uh, the Habit Loops by Charles Duhigg and all of these types of things. You know, th after three months, we develop some pretty deeply ingrained habits if we do the same thing over and over and over again. I don't know how much normalcy we'll see people go back to. I think people are used to now working from home, schooling from home, um, playing video games instead of going outside. And, you know, I've tried to do the whole come to the beach for an hour and it's like boring sand, water. Um, I want to play something. I want the adrenaline rush. And it's like, geez, we've got to get these kids away from this stuff and into the real world. So I think it's also our obligation as, as builders to make sure that we are balancing that and we are actually making sure that these um, that we're building stuff that can, you know, um, challenge the mind and the body. And I think it's really, really important to to understand that exactly like you say, we've got we're going to have problems with uh, exercise, mental health. Um, people are more connected yet more disjointed than they've ever been in their lives. So that's something I'm acutely aware of and and want to make sure that. Uh, we do our part to make sure that that's balanced as best we can. Yeah, that that's definitely super important. Uh, this is just off the dome. Uh, would you maybe like incorporate? Oh, okay, after say six hours of playtime, you go and like you're not count locked, but you can't really do anything for fifteen to thirty minutes. Like just go, go eat, go go outside. You know, enjoy real life. Come back and play <laughs> because yeah, I, as a I mean, gamer, I've stayed in my room for like sixteen hours a day, just straight playing, and that is not healthy. Nah, uh, look, I, I think you know ours is based on the retail and events, so I wouldn't assume that, that in the beginning, anyways, that there would be 
16 hours for you unless you just you really really want to just look inside of every single shop and catch the sky trains around and check out the planetary configurations and stuff um i don't think there would be that much um uh to keep you going for 16 hours depending on depending on what you're doing but ultimately um even now with my son what i'm trying to do is just make sure that we're doing um you know, you, they, they tr trick you into exercises these days they've got these vr apps that you sort of you have to catch things that are flying past and then what you realize at the end of it is you've done 85 star jumps and uh touched your toes 50 times and um it's quite quite clever at disguising gamification with exercise so i think um people are already acutely aware of this and building for this type of stuff as well so uh it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but yes we'd always have a duty of care for sure yeah do you think uh you think the games themselves within within the platform or the quest that you talked about could also incorporate location-based um events in in the in the real yep. world yeah absolutely that's so our, our long-term plays is to have the localized rollout so to have the ones in the philippines vietnam indonesia because they can also be localized as far as language is concerned as well and when you're doing physical virtual combinations you don't want for example a person to buy a pair of shoes in norway from a guy who lives in the philippines um, logistically that makes things very very difficult so we would a hundred percent with the technology that we've got um, be able to do real life based easter egg hunts events uh, meetups um location based uh events or or tasks um all of this is uh is already technically available from day one yeah that's incredible man i mean this you're you're opening up a whole new world uh, for for these youngsters and i also really really um think that you guys are very future forward in terms of thinking about how e-commerce is going to evolve um from a digital standpoint right like i think websites and things like that just aren't aren't as interactive and this is going to lead to a whole new a whole new play um in different regions and in different areas good point and i think the two things that i can touch on there is that uh again like i said we're more connected than we've ever been but we're more disjointed than ever um and that's what we thought we thought look at a static 2d website um it's boring there's it's just click click they are designed for one click and get out of there which is fine for convenience but people have lost that contact that they used to have by going to the shops talking to a person asking for help um this the virtual space obviously offers that but more importantly we've got like i, I always use the same example we've got a, a lady that lives next door and she uses a 80 year old uh metal machine to make sugarcane juice and she's probably been that's probably been going for generations in their family those types of people have all been forced out of business and some of them do amazing products um if you've got uh, a virtual space and a platform it's a great leveling field right if your if your product is of good quality you have the opportunity to stand up against the starbucks or whoever else it is um we want to make sure that a lot of the southeast asian uh, businesses have a platform to be able to reach the the public and um to be able to be measured on the quality of their products as opposed to um, as opposed to where they're located or um, you know how long they've been in business or whatever it might be and a lot of these people here have lost their bricks and mortar business they've got tons of inventory they can't sell it um, and we just think that you know by what we're doing it actually also helps it helps to expedite it um, reduces the reliance on having bricks and mortar businesses and we can still really promote that interconnectivity and making sure that people can still speak directly to a person and ask them questions.
Yeah, 100%. I, I work for a pretty large e-commerce um, operation in, in IRL. And, uh, you know, anytime that someone calls in and actually speaks to a customer service agent, agent uh, we know that the AOV of those customers, um, average order value is extremely high. Uh, LTV, lifetime value of the customer is also much higher. And so I think that this is uh, encouraging kind of that that interactive uh, experience and almost like creating a VIP uh, type experience for customers and answering questions. A lot of customers, especially older customers, um, they don't necessarily know how to use a website. I don't know if they would know how to even how to do this. Um, but at the same at the same token, as um, the younger generation gets older and they require uh, additional care and um, an effort to to convert them or get them educated on certain products, I definitely see see them um, loving this this type of virtual marketplace and having that having that uh, experience to go and talk to someone. And the younger generation doesn't want to read. You know, they don't want to they don't want to read anything. Exactly. Uh, they want to be told what to do. And so I think that this is also catering to to that demographic. Yeah, we 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 um like our we've got over a hundred like hundred and four million people in the in the uh, 25 to 34 year age bracket here, but also the 18 to 24, we've got um, just a, just almost the same 102 or 3 million coming up through. So this next generation is um, is pivotal pivotal to our plans as well, because we we always start with the end in mind and work our way back, but we, we plan to be here for a long time and that's why we're building a proper infrastructure that clicks together. So we've got, you know, We've got the game side of things. We've got a finance um, that will be um, properly rolled out shortly. We've uh, already started. We've got media. We've got TV, so streaming with overlays, and um, that's that goes into the shopping and cashback app. Um, we've got the reward system over the whole ecosystem. Um, so we've got lots of different pieces of the puzzle that are coming together. And um, to your point, I think it's just really, really important that you've got that experience and immersiveness. And our background is CLV or TLV. Um, uh, as well as also, you know, CX, NPS, effort score. Um, so we really, really get the deep data science of behaviour. And what we're trying to do is make sure that we are providing not only an experience to our customers, but more more importantly, an experience that is available on our platform so that customers, whether they be retailers or end users, are able to utilise those flows and um, that structure. So what we're doing is we're helping these businesses by giving them the structure they need to monitor, measure and understand the traffic in their their audiences. And that's that's where we'll, we'll, we'll probably have our greatest impact. Yeah, 100%. You touched on you, you already have a finance platform works i know r fox finance is is a really big portion of what you guys are doing can you kind of touch on uh r fox finance and the different yep. coins r fox and uh, v fox that are part of that yeah sure so um had a lot of questions in relation to that why do you need two coins but uh v fox for all intent and purposes a rewards token and when you give rewards you can trigger involuntary tax events and um, there's all sorts of things that go around that when you when you're doing rewards so we had to make sure that that was much more of a voluntary opt-in and if people buy that, they understand what it is and um, what they're getting involved in, whereas the RFOX token is the utility token. So anything that courses through the metaverse or through any of the ventures, um, we're building all of the infrastructure now with a uh, single login and everything to go through RFOX. Now, what I mean by go through RFOX is um, some countries, some places you'll be able to just use RFOX at the top layer. 
countries like Vietnam, it's illegal to use anything other than the Vietnamese dong um, to purchase things that are already purchasable with the dong. So if it's a, a new item, then that's possible depending on the technology set. But ultimately, we have to be mindful of laws and legislations and they're different in every country. So everything will go. So say, for example, I pay in Great British Pounds for something and uh, I'm a consumer and the end user, the shop owner wants to be settled in US dollars, it would course through RFOX in the middle. So we are um, making sure that it's got a, a full uh, heavy transaction volumes and, and volumes going through there. And then we actually uh, take a percentage of everything that goes through the metaverse and uh, in RFOX, so we keep a bit aside and then we distribute that to the VFOX holders. Uh, so that's how the two different tokens work. Um, and this is all integrated through all of our ventures. So it will be the same format for all. In, uh, as I say, in, in countries that are friendly, we'll have VFOX, uh, RFOX, sorry, at the top as the utility. Um, but in most of the countries uh, that we operate in, it'll be second layer um, because the other fastest path to adoption is these people, they're largely cash economy. So we want people to be able to go in top up at a 7-Eleven and to be able to buy our stuff. So we're working with payment providers and e-money wallet providers now on the fiat integrations for RFOX as well. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Do you, do you envision uh, being able to purchase um, RFOX directly with a credit card uh, in the virtual space or how, how would people go about actually um, getting the token? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Yes, they will definitely be able to do that. We're working with lots of different providers. We've already started to integrate with a few, with uh, well, at least one exchange and then talking to more now. So in the virtual space, we envisage it to be a bit like uh, kiosks or like Coke machines. Um, some of the exchanges want to have like a Coke machine type of setup where you've got a QR code and a wallet and you zap it and you can, they'll take whatever's in your wallet and you, you're actually effectively able to buy whichever cryptocurrency you'd like. So there's uh, there's a few really good plans there. And, and again, we don't want to be the payment rails or the payment providers. We, we want to focus on the platform and the experience and the software and, and um, connecting people to people. Um, so we've got a, a few people that are jumping on the opportunity to come in and say, we'll provide the payment rails and the gateways for you. Um, it's obviously in their best interest as well. But uh, ultimately that means that there'd be several different payment options for people as far as um, coming in and being able to get their hands directly onto RFOX. And, and part of the play to earn is um, it's very important, especially in these developing nations that we are um, allowing people to be able to earn RFOX in the game and then to easily cash it out into their local currency. That's very important. So that's what we're spending a lot of time doing and we're very close in a couple of countries now um, so we're just working on the final details and then that would give us a huge huge um, uh, fast track to adoption because now people can just use cash to to get into our ecosystem yeah that's that's really really smart you're you're catering to the on and off ramps of, of fiat and um, yes. i think i think that that's a based uh, really really based decision um, on your part I'm curious with RFOX, are you guys going to enable like other DeFi products um, and services on the platform, like loans yeah. and lending, things like that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as a venture builder, um, we made no bones about it. We use, we, we've got a nine point funnel system for choosing which to build out next and what to build. So we basically have a very strong list of prerequisites to determine what we're going to build and why. So RFOX Finance, um, 
although it might look like a site that does a little bit of farming and staking at the moment and what's happening next, uh, people have asked, why are you doing facelifts on it and upgrades, what's coming? Um, we've always said that we would like to build out a Ping An type model and Ping An, for those who don't know, is um, one of the most profitable companies in China, but started off as like an aggregator for insurance and finance. And in this part of the world, lots of people still have to go into a bank, take a ticket, sit on a blue plastic chair, wait for hours, fill out a form, wait five days to be told whether their loan's gone through. There's no really good aggregation tools in, in um, this particular country uh, and, and the hurdles for entry are just too big. So what, we're, what we always said was a Ping An uh, allows people easy access to um, uh, finance and insurance, but also to collateral loans um, and lots of different financial products as well. So we're in the hiring phase for the GM to take over that uh, venture and then start to really build out the products. We've got a ton of projects that have already come to us and asked us to list their tokens against RFOX, so locking up more and more RFOX, and um, that would be really great for total lock value and it would be great for the, for the system itself. But we're being very, very careful in vetting because... You just don't know. Uh, a lot of these projects are very new, and we don't. And a lot of them are anonymous. So we've got we're one of the only projects that have um, this type of a service that have names behind it. Um, that's why people are coming to us. They're saying, "Well, we, you're real people. You've put your name to it." So these are big projects that want to come across to the BSC side. So we're looking now um, at who we can work with, and we're we're defining the vetting progress uh, process, and then. Um, madly scrambling to find the right GM to, to take this to the next level and introduce a, a whole heap of new products. Yeah. Yeah, that is perfect. No, I was just, just going to make a joke. <laughs> I was going to say, man, like, no one's going to trust a Pokemon, right? No one's going to trust a Pokemon to set that up. <laughs> well, we, we've got to be careful as well. Because yeah, we've, I, we've got our names out there. We have to be double careful, right? Because we've got to, if, if we put a project on, um, and then that project ends up running away or doing the wrong thing, then people will forever say you guys were involved in that or you brought in that. So it's a big, every decision is a crucial decision. And when you've got a network of companies and an ecosystem, the stain the stain spreads further as well. So reputational damage is, um, is extremely um, uh, big consideration for us. So we've got to be very careful. That actually, before we move on to the next topic, that goes into uh, a question that, I don't know if he's in here right now, but Zero X Photography had a question. Oh, yeah, I see him. Uh, he asked if you guys are going to do a DAO or anything like that. Um, just maybe voting on who you let in and and whatnot. We, we um, To be honest with that, and we're pretty open with this as well, we, we will find the right GM to run it. And um, what we do is we make sure that the GMs have the same value systems as we do and we make sure that they understand the end vision and the end picture. We would then let those guys um, make the decisions based on their experience because we have a rule of bakers going to bakers rooms and mechanics in mechanics rooms, and so we're going to find um, we're going to find the right person to make those qualified decisions. Um, they have to deal with all the legalities. We've already sort of dug into those all, and there are issues with DAOs, but there's also a lot of benefits with the DAOs as well. Um, so it's just a matter of balancing those, and then also understanding which regions you're offering services to. And that's why it's better for um, all of the people that have these farms to be anonymous because then they don't have to worry about that stuff. They can just, if the heat gets too much, they can just turn off and go away. 
but we we obviously being known being registered being incorporated being a proper company um we have to be very very careful on who and where we offer the products and that's why we need someone much more qualified than us to be able to make those decisions thank you for uh for answering that and xerox thank you for the question we definitely appreciate it um so kind of going on to the next topic can you go into why red fox is running a uh, chain link node yeah so um we talked to them quite a while ago before when we first started uh, developing the game. The game should have been out by now, but what we did was we brought out the uh, a beta version and then, as is our model, we have a DBOP model, so we design it, build it, operate, and then transfer to a much more qualified team. That team that came in has rolled out tons of games, very experienced, and has said we can do a facelift, go for the mass appeal and look for the... Um, for uh, the dynamics to be better suited to play to earn. And that's been a laborious task for the last six months. And now they've got it to the point where it's ready for release. So I think um, I think that uh, the, the main thing is that we, we sort of want to make sure that everything is polished, that it serves its purpose, that it gets out to the market in the right way. Um, and that doesn't always happen overnight. Um, it's, uh, it's a matter of configuring things and making sure that they're um they're right and they've got a good product market fit um so that's that's really really important to us sorry i think i've missed part of the the last question though i haven't answered it properly right yeah no it was it was just why you uh red fox labs was running a chain ah sorry sorry yes um and um, sorry yes uh, so data is a massive thing for us um we everything we do runs on data so um we try to take as much guesswork out of everything we do um as we possibly can and Chainlink and us had been talking for some period of time, um, I guess for about a year, on all of the different things that we could potentially do together. And this was like the low-hanging fruit. This was the first thing that we could do. They already had a setup structure um, and it made sense uh, for us to be able to uh, work with them and run a node. Gave them a heap of data, gave us um, data as well um, and helped with the uh, they've got all the infrastructure in place. They know how to do it. They're the best in the business at it. So um, it made sense. But really, technically speaking, this was the very smallest part of some really dynamic, amazing, larger scale stuff that we could do together. So um, it was it was the segue into what would come next. Could you also touch on how that plays into the metaverse NFTs? Yeah, so um, I think that a lot of what we're going to be doing with the metaverse requires um, validation. Um, how do I explain that? Okay, so metaverse NFTs. All right. So if you've got a shop that is selling NFTs, we also have to make sure that this these shops are above board, right? So we've got to make sure that user data is validated. Now, I don't mean from the buyer's perspective but it could be that the, i'll give you a, a classic example a shop owner um what happens if that shop owner's selling nfts to fund terrorism for example so the amlkyc so we need um validation on um whether the sources are uh pure are the right people are doing the right things are, are registered um, there's a lot of compliance type of stuff that you have to go through. Now, there's two ways you can do that. You can either go through and say, I want a record of everybody's shop ownership of uh, their business licenses. I want to keep that on file and I want to lodge that with the SEC or whatever it is. Uh, but there's some clever ways you can do things with validation. 
Um, so we've looked into a number of different options and, and ways we could potentially do that. But again, that's still very, very surface level as to what could possibly be done with Link and their network. Um, is, uh, this is just a very, very beginning. I mean, the, the, the direction that they're headed is also, they're miles ahead. They've got a massive head start on everybody else. And what we're looking at at the moment is to plug into things that are already established and working. And we're looking to run and to move fast. So we're not looking to necessarily build everything we do from scratch. And it makes sense to partner with people that are very well established and have um, a foothold and also that, that global reach and expanse as well. So I think what they've done is absolutely amazing. I I totally agree. And I think this new digital economy that we're going into, um, like everybody's going to have a role to play. And so you're 100% correct. Like building everything from scratch from your standpoint might not be the best business move. Um, so integrating somebody like Chainlink is definitely very helpful. Um, and I know you've touched, obviously you can do an Oculus and go into virtual reality, but have you... Um, looked into corporate uh, augmented reality i know yeah. um, i think it was apple that was going to start doing glasses yeah for sure um it's something that's on our radar we're already talking to companies that uh, are interested as well and again there's a lot of companies that have been doing this stuff for a long time like i think it's a, a lot more advanced technology than people think um and we, what we're trying to do is work with industry leaders to work out how they can incorporate and how they can tack on to the platform as opposed to us trying to build an AR studio from scratch, for example. So that's already um, something that's firmly on our radar. I think uh, machine learning and AI, obviously, that's very low-hanging fruit and that's something that's really important to us as well. We've even looked into, for example, um, 8D sound and how you can have these immersive um, experiences through the through the headsets as well, because there's a lot of people doing some amazing stuff with uh, immersive sounds as well. And so this experience will be built out to be um, pretty mind-blowing in, in um, all capacities as far as sensory uh, input is concerned. Um, and a lot of people are saying, that sounds like Ready Player One, but we've we looked at things like Ready Player One, and you know that these sci-fi movies always... Uh, very apt at predicting the type of things that are coming next and uh, a lot of this is pretty common sense as far as what comes next so what we're trying to do is build the basis build the platform make sure it's got a solid foundation a good use case tons of users and then we've got the the freedom and the option to be able to click on to whatever is um, moving in the right direction or taking off which is the exciting part because nobody knows how it will fully look in five years from now which is we find that to be extremely exciting That that's that actually leads into my next question, and that question is, um, what do you see Redbox Labs in the next one to two years? I know you said five years, but um, just more of a short term, yeah, uh, viewpoint. Yeah, so we'll have the the ecosystem fully built out. Um, that will be done, um, and then it'll be a matter of just building on top of that and value adds. So all of our products and new ventures um that come out. So we've got the media covered, we've got the streaming covered, we've got the TV, the, the influencer platform. So that, that provides us with our reach. We've got the, we'll have the payments through the cashback and uh, shopping e-commerce apps. We'll have the e-commerce retail, um, NFTs, games. So all of the basic basics are there and we'll have that foundation and we'll have the platform and we'll have the ecosystem built out. So then it's a matter of saying, right, what fits the nine point model? What comes next? What adds value? 
Uh, and, and a lot of that will also be determined by line items. So if something's costing us a lot of money and we're thinking this is this costs us a ton to run to keep this ecosystem going, maybe it's best if we actually look at um, replicating our own version of whatever it is that's, um, that's a, a massive cost drain and work out how to sort of um, streamline that by bringing it in-house uh, and then also offering those services externally as well. But the really important part for Red Fox is that the metaverse obviously as the central platform that feeds all of the ventures each of these ventures has to be a strong standalone proposition as well it can't be reliant on only the metaverse although a lot of the traffic will flow in and out of the metaverse um, these businesses will be strong strong standalone businesses yeah that that is that's just super bullish to hear honestly from going from playing games on PlayStation 1, to now you can literally throw a headset on and you can go into these virtual worlds and play with people across the world. Um, that's super exciting. And just for our last question, where do you see NFTs and gaming for Web3 economies going in the next five years? I think it's, um, I think we've only just started. What we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of um, rising server costs and we're seeing a lot of the games that are on the Play Store and App Store and stuff getting sick and tired of handing over 30% and you've got people that are saying we can't monetize our games properly. Uh, we've got tons of users, but we've built a free model and it's too hard to change or we can't, we don't know how, what to change. So I think that what you're going to find is that um, I think that it'll be a rapid, rapid, it'll seem like it happens overnight where all the big AAA studios start to come across to the blockchain side. They're already here looking, they're already talking to us and other people trying to work out how to integrate um, uh, blockchain so i think you'll see this this just it'll feel like a flick switch and um everybody's just dropped what they're doing and headed over to blockchain how, when did that happen um it'll it'll feel like that's happened but it's already happening it's a slow progression and that's definitely where it's headed um and uh i've, I've had a few invites recently for people that want to talk about blockchain gaming and 5g um and talking about how this is going to change the way that games roll out as well and they're very very interested in how 5g can integrate with blockchain so telco is my background as well for 20 years and this is something that's um extremely interesting um the, the all the conversations are pretty early on but you can find a lot of it on the internet already um but some pretty smart guys are coming together trying to work out how how those two will merge and and impact gaming as well so i'm very interested to see how that comes together a hundred, a hundred percent. Ben, you answered all of our questions. Sometimes at the end, we like to allow audience members to come on. Do you have time uh, if we allow like one or two people to come on? Yeah, sure, sure. Go for it. Uh, if anyone in the audience has questions, just request now, and I'll get, I'll let you guys on one at a time, and you can uh, you can ask Ben anything, man. He's uh, super chill. Thanks for taking the time, Ben, to come on the space and and talk to us and really dive in. I mean, this has been extremely thorough. No problems. No problems. Yeah, but I mean, <clears throat> and it's really while just while we're waiting, it's really about informing the younger generation as well. But and I think you've done a beautiful job at doing that as as well tonight. Um, just because you know I'm t in my early twenties, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners in here are younger too, and so a lot of this stuff is brand new to us. So we're just now learning. And if you know I wasn't on Twitter tonight, I'd probably have no idea. You know what I mean? So it's it's definitely very interesting, and uh, I definitely appreciate your time. No problems. And I think um, what I would say to people is that if you 
like a lot of people say, hey, this looks like a cool option to go down in a pathway and looks like it'd be easy to build businesses in this space. Um, I would say it's extremely challenging if you're still forming what you want to do with your life or you're still studying and, and you're seeing blockchain as a potential industry path. Um, I think it's a, it's a wonderful path. You just got to understand that the technology is extremely raw. It's in its very, very early stages. It has never really been tested to scale. Um, so I think it's been around long enough now to, to um, show that it's going to be a massive player going forwards and there'll be fast and rapid iterations and developments, but it is a, um, it's a testing, trying um, field, exactly like any emerging tech, but it's thoroughly rewarding as well. I, I honestly couldn't go back to doing anything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently trying to get into the blockchain space, you know, just fitting in where, where I fit and learning to code. I'm teaching myself how to code and just working with, you know, me and Mewtwo and Chase. He's not here tonight, but he's one of our team members as well. Just, you know, building a community aspect as well. Just something that I have on my resume to going forward and just kind of learning and really immersifying myself in the uh, in the space. And I totally encourage other people that are listening that are young to do the same exact thing because this is definitely the future. Yeah. You know, this and AI are definitely the future. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, if people are... Um have skill sets or they want to they want to um, learn more about the space or get into it um, I'd say go to our website as well and look at um, the careers and jobs if there's if you're just a general application or you want to do an internship we do internships as well um, then definitely fire off uh, a CV or contact us because we're always looking for um, good talent and we're growing rapidly we've gone from you know, three people in the beginning to well over 40 core members and as many contractors on top of that as well. So um, we're always looking for talent and some people come in and have a look and say, well, this is way too hard for me. Other people come in and say, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And we've tried to uh, work, a, work a position in for them. So happy to, um, happy to talk to any of you who are interested. What's going on, Blunt Man? Welcome to the base space. Hey. Thanks very much. This has been uh, this has been an awesome listen. I didn't even know that this was happening, but uh, a very nice surprise that one of my fellow BAs has passed it on. And what an enjoyable listen! I just uh, uh, so first of all, thank you. But secondly, I just want to ask uh, I just want to ask Ben if he can run us through some figures. He's recently uh, now, admittedly, I tuned in halfway, so I'm not sure if he spoke about the paper that Ben has recently released, which people can find on the website. Very very good read, um, and I encourage everyone to go and do that. But Within that paper, there was some uh, there was some figures of projected revenue for each of these ventures. Now, obviously, if we were to combine that, it's just a, it's just simply a behemoth. But if Ben can run us through some of those figures and um, and get me excited once again, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'd say go in and, and read the paper and have a look at it. But uh, ultimately, we've been obviously VCs have become interested because of what we're actually talking about and doing. They've always been interested, but the interest has definitely uh, peaked. And um, what we've done is we've uh, we'd done projections until the end of 2024 with rolling out um, ventures one after another after another, and we'd gotten to 250 mil by the end of the four um, by by the end of 2024. And then as we've decided to sit down and really build out the whole ecosystem at once and make sure all of those pieces come together and click together now, um, so that we've got the whole ecosystem out very shortly. Um, we've those uh, project revenue projections by the end of 2024 with the user numbers. And this is all very easily quantifiable and verifiable because of 
cost of acquisition and uh, average spend. Um, once we've got the metaverse and all of the ventures up and running, um, somewhere around the $600 million mark by the end of 2024 in revenue is actually achievable. And, when, and if you take into consideration that we're already profitable and making revenue now, um, it's not a far stretch at all. I mean, we'll do well over $20 million in revenue this year. Um, and then you add on all of those other ventures that are coming through and it escalates very quickly up to that 600 million mark after 2024. So all of that will be coursing through RFOX as well, which is obviously extremely good news for the RFOX holders. Beauty. Thanks, Benny. And uh, thanks, guys. I'll, uh, I look forward to next question. Ta. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, man, for coming on. Appreciate you, dude. Um, Mutra, did you have any more requests? Yeah, I got, I got one more coming on. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Takes a takes a few seconds. No problem. Ben, is that a Halo character? Yeah, it <laughs> I is, just realized bro. that. That's awesome. I don't know. It's Twitter. Can you guys see him or no? <laughs> Can't see anyone. I can't see whoever you're bringing. Uh, maybe he dipped. He might have dipped. He, we might have scared him away. <laughs> uh, I think he's gone. <laughs> I don't see him in the space. It could have glitched him out. Uh, if anyone else has questions, just request. I'll let you on. Um, if not, I think we'll, I think we'll close it out of here. Oh. Oh, we got Jim. Let's go. Let's go, Jim. Hey, how's it going, Jam? Yeah, really good. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome to the base space. So it's like 3 a.m. here. I was just trying to go to bed, looking on Twitter, listen to the space, and I was like, wow, okay. This is amazing. <laughs> like, the inspiration and just the free alpha of what's going on right now within crypto blockchain. I hate to say it, but we are so early and blunt man, <laughs> blunt man, blunt man, you are doing God's work, whatever you conceive God to be, but the, in like, fuck, I, I was here for 10 minutes and just, wow. And I just wanted to say thank you just, just for holding the space, for people interacting, for people asking questions and for people also allowing themselves to be something that we're not told to be that's the most important thing so that was it 100 so, thank you hey. <laughs> also jim we we record these so this will be up later either this week or next week um so since you did come in later well, in the episode you could have you definitely can... told me that beforehand i'm gonna sue you that's what we do in america right <laughs> Thank you for my best. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Upload it, and if I see you, we'll give it to charity. But thank you for um, awesome. thank you for also uh, saying that as well, Jim. I mean, that, obviously, this is uh, this is a great forum, and um, well done to the guys for putting this on. But uh, ultimately, um, that's the great thing about this space as well is that people do want to hear. If you're trying to actually build something, and you're trying to make a difference, and you're actually trying to do something. I think that most people, even if they've been around just for a few months, understand that it's not easy and it's not um, it's not 
if it, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And I think that um, I think that people coming in and identifying that there needs to be a change, and that this that we are the group of people that are uh, driving the changes, and we're deciding what happens next. That's something that's pretty powerful, and um, there's not many technology movements that come along that let you decide what happens next. And I think that uh, lawmakers always scramble to keep up with technology providers, and uh, it's never been more prevalent than now. And I think that um, people want change, and I think the great part about it is they're going to get it. And this is this is um, this is a very big movement, and it uh, it's so far progressed now that it's not going to stop. It's just a matter of what shape it takes. So. Extremely exciting. It's great that you guys want I completely agree with you. And I believe we've been born into the most important time. And I'm sure most generations believe that. But surely with this technology, with this ability, this must be the most important time. And even if it's not, let's really make sure we do the best that we can with it. Because we see the suffering. We see the bullshit. We see the media. Absolute. I've already been banned from my own spaces, so I don't want to swear too much, but there is so much bullshit going on. And it's, we have, we don't have to fix the system because we have our own system now. Like it's, it's not that hard. We, we can do it. Hundred percent, Gem. And the thing is that I always say to my team, and we firmly believe this, we say that we've got to have a purpose beyond just building something and creating something. And we've, we focus on digital inclusion, but our modus operandi, what we always say to each other is, we have to build something that we can look our kids in the eyes and say, we built that, we did that, um, Not and not looking them in the eyes and saying, oops, sorry, we, we did that. Um, it's really something that we think we're building for future generations. Um, yeah, so or, people I hate to say it, but maybe not even being able to look our kids in the eyes because, you know, all these movies, all, this, all these crazy things that we think aren't going to happen. Yeah. Let, let's secure ourselves, you know, let's exactly. make sure that it could be a lot exactly. heavier than, than we really think. Yeah, but the good part is we are, the, we are being able to create, we are being able to have a fair say in what happens and I think that, um, that we've just got to seize that opportunity and not let it pass and I think we've got to get move past this whole, um, um, as fun as it is, we've got to move past this whole meme culture and actually provide something of value and sustainable value and prove what the technology can actually do and what it can be used for and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that yeah i don't think memes are bad because they've created you know all of this we actually got to 33k by july <laughs> no one actually has celebrated it but we did 33k by july memes create reality and that's only because thoughts create reality if, if people keep the vibration on the same level for a certain amount of time is going to happen and if we have to do that through memes then whatever but it it's just about vibration and energy that's what nikola tesla told us and thousand percent agree jim you're tapped in, He's tapped in. <laughs> it's Bro. also 3 a.m and fuck, i didn't i didn't <laughs> I can't because now I'm excited and I want to talk about how the world is going. But on maybe a last night because it is 3am, I've got one of the most interesting podcasts I've ever listened to. I've shared it a few times and it's been deleted. So anyone that wants to hear it, uh, just DM me, I'll send you the link. 
and it's yeah blow your mind is is amazing i'd share it on twitter but amazing. i can't <laughs> thanks for coming on jam we appreciate you all right love you guys good night bye jam bye, bye. I think that's probably the perfect uh, outro. Ben, thank you once again for coming on. Me too, and I definitely appreciate you and your time. Um, and I'm just super excited to go play. Like I'm, like I said, I had to go buy an Oculus. <laughs> well, because I kind of just want to go ahead yeah, and be early. A hundred percent. And look, thank you very much for um, building forums like this. I, I did the same thing back in the day, built a YouTube channel to try and just help my close friends, and it ended up spiraling. But um, the thing is that uh, people that educate, lead the way, provide forums are the most important people in the space at this stage. So thank you very much for inviting me on. I appreciate your time and all people that have taken time out of their day to come across and listen. A hundred percent. And uh, Ben, we do record these. Are you cool with us posting this on our YouTube channel? Yeah, sure. hundred percent. No problems at all. Sweet. Um, thanks again. All right, Ben, we'll be in touch. Stay based, brother. No problem. Thanks, guys. See you. All right, stay based, everybody. Stay based. Let's go. Yep.